0: How tired are you on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being exhausted, 10 being I could go do it again. Who's closer to 1? Okay. Danny, you could do it again? You feel like the night after LSU beat Alabama? Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was there. Just to rub it in this year. I was there for that game and loved every minute of it. Any Alabama fans? Okay, good. And uh, so, well, I would like to talk about Jesus tonight. Um, A couple of years ago, I found myself maybe empty um, after what at that time was 20 plus years of ministry and um, found myself in the rhythm and the routine of church life. Uh, and doing everything, serving as pastor, being father, being husband, uh, and began to ask the Lord for a a sense of freshness in my relationship with Him. Uh, And so I spent uh, the better part of a year just seeking in my life uh, to go beyond my ministry calling and to go beyond the have-tos, and to spend some time with the Lord uh, and ask Him to move me closer to him uh, for my own walk, not for not for people, not for anyone else, but, but just for me. Uh, and in that process, I decided to just read quite a bit uh, on who Jesus is and what he is like. Uh, at that time, I was telling Danny, a, a book came out um, called Gentle and Lowly, and it's a rewriting of some 1500s and 1600s writings by some of the puritans on the way of jesus Uh, and so i wanted to share some because you've been out in your community our county uh, and have been serving people and pouring yourself out uh, even having an opportunity in various ways to talk about jesus with people Uh, it has been my experience almost six years here in lee county um, that many people don't know the jesus of the bible Uh, Their view of him, their picture of him is often uh, very different than the way that he truly is. And the Jesus that they are rejecting and the Jesus that they don't want to believe in um, is not the Jesus that I know or or the one that we would introduce them to. And uh, what I wanted to talk about some was to talk about who Jesus is, uh, because Scripture calls him the way. And it's possible that if you have shared the gospel in the last 48 hours, while serving, that you might have even told someone that Jesus is the way and that He is the truth and that He is the life. But in addition to that, tonight I would like to talk a little bit about how Jesus is the way, but that the way of Jesus is gentle and also willing. Uh, That He is the way. Uh, I'm not sure how many times you're aware that Christianity is called the way in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Early Christians referred to themselves as the way because Jesus said that he was the way. It was the manner in which early Christians identified themselves with Jesus. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, before Paul, is Paul as we know him, uh, when he is seeking out those to persecute and to imprison or to kill, it says that he was seeking out those who belonged to the way. Uh, in that same passage, uh, in Acts chapter 9, Paul's converted Uh, And we begin to see him immediately calling himself, uh, after that, a follower of the way. Luke even records uh, in Acts chapter 22 that Paul shared the gospel in his testimony. And he said, I once persecuted the way. Because in many ways, Paul understood when Jesus confronted him and said, why are you persecuting me? Because to persecute the people of Jesus, the bride of Christ, was to be persecuting him. And so we have this instance of the way in passages like Acts chapter 9 or 22, or even in Acts chapter 19. It says, when some, uh, But when some became hardened and would not believe and were slandering the way in front of the crowd, he withdrew from them, taking disciples. And it also talked about in Acts chapter 19 that there was a major disturbance about the way. Uh, in Acts chapter 24, Paul said that he worshipped the God of his ancestors according to the way, in capital words, uh, letters. He said, Paul said, I admit this to you, I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way. And in Acts chapter 24, when Paul says that, he says, I worship the God of Israel through the way, speaking of Jesus. So the God of his ancestors, the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and David, Paul says, I worship the God of the ancestors of my ancestors through Christ. Because in John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so when we talk to people about Jesus, we're talking to them about the way. It's the primary thing that John is trying to convey there in John chapter 14 is that there is no other way, and to those early Christians, to those early hearers of Christ as the center of the gospel, they were waiting for the way. They had been looking forward to the way. There was a way promised for them, and that was the Messiah, and so they were Looking for him. And when Jesus uh, said he was the way, there were questions about that. There were, how do we know the way? How do we get to where you are going? And he said, listen, to go where I am going, you simply have to know me. In fact, you really can't know God without knowing Jesus Christ. There is no way to know God the Father. In fact, Jesus says, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To know me is to know the Father because I am the way. You see, Jesus isn't claiming to be one of the ways, but claiming to be the way. Now, I have many friends uh, and family members, including um, people that I grew up with, people that I have uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and family members who struggle heavily with the idea that Jesus is the way. And that when we say Jesus is the way, we are saying that there is no other way to be right with God. There is no other path to knowing the true God other than through his son, one of the members of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And so many people struggle with that. They feel like that is unfair. They feel like this is a wrong way for us to think. But Jesus doesn't say, I am one of the ways. But instead, he says, I am the way, I'm the road, I'm the path. And all other forms of religion, all other philosophical ways of thinking or belief are ineffective. They cannot accomplish their end goal, which would be to bring peace or help or higher learning or be it on a different plane or reaching some kind of nirvana. None of that can happen. What we find in Scripture is that if you know Jesus, you will know the Father, and there is no other way by which anyone can be saved. And I have found that therein becomes the difficulty. It's one thing to tell somebody, hey, if you want to know one of the ways for your life to be meaningful or for your life to be significant or for your life to move towards eternity, Jesus is one of the options. But here in North Mississippi, uh, in Lee County, close to 45% of the people around us claim to have no religious belief system. So the moment that we say, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know the way, we are immediately, without even talking to people, excluding almost half of the eighty-five to 87,000 people that live around us. Because when asked if they believe anything at all, they said, I believe nothing. That's not me. And then you get into the other 60 or so percent, 55% that begin to say, I don't necessarily believe in Jesus, but I do believe in something. And so the rub begins to happen when we begin to say things like Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Like That's a very exclusive statement. That means everyone that you served today everyone that you're going to serve tomorrow, everyone that you served on Monday, the people that you're praying for, if they don't know Christ, there is no other way. 1 Timothy 2 tells us, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the way. Early Christians, though, were so Centered on that truth that he was the promise that God had made from the very beginning, they were so connected to that that they began to identify themselves, as we mentioned earlier, as the way. Christians was an insult. They weren't calling themselves Christians. The people around them referred to them as Christians as an insult. They think they are little Jesuses because they saw themselves as. The way. So when Paul said that he worshiped the God of his ancestors according to the way, he was saying, I worship according to Jesus. He was claiming the truth that Jesus made in John chapter 14, and it's the truth that he then to proclaim to the entire world around him. And it helps us to see that the only acceptable response is to follow Jesus. That's the only acceptable manner of life in the eyes of the Lord, is to trust in Jesus. And followers of the way, they know that Jesus is the only means by which anyone can come to know him, and they also know that he has a different way for us to live. And so our evangelism is really built on the whole truth that there's no hope for anyone other than Jesus. So in the way that you're sharing the gospel this week, in the conversations that you're having, the exclusivity of the gospel is often what causes us to be seen as harsh. In my evangelism here in Lee County, it has been different. Uh, When my wife and I got married, we lived in the New Orleans area. Um, We first got married. um, I had lived in Homa, Louisiana before that, uh, then had a chance to, we moved in the New Orleans area, then we lived in Hammond, Louisiana. And our time in Southeast Louisiana um, I gained easily 45 pounds um, because everything is fattening in Southeast Louisiana. Even the salad is. And so like everything's fried. And, but one thing we liked about Southeast Louisiana was everybody was pretty truthful. If I asked somebody in the New Orleans area, hey, are you a Christian? No, absolutely not. Those people are crazy. They would just tell you or they would go, I'm Catholic. And that wasn't really an answer to the question. And when you would press, then sometimes you would find someone who claimed to be Catholic, who believed in Christ and had a conversion experience. And then other times you'd find someone who just knew that their family was Catholic. And so that was that was their answer. But we had really truthful conversations in southeast Louisiana. And the Lord moved us to West Tennessee and the conversations got less honest. People began to, everybody was a Christian and everybody went to church and everybody had some kind of testimony of sorts, but most people could not communicate the Bible. They could not articulate the gospel. They couldn't say what they believed in. They couldn't tell you when they were converted and Christ changed them and the Holy Spirit came to live in them. There was no conversion to their life as much as there was a church experience in their life. And, you know, we've lived then in East Tennessee and then similar conversations there. And then here, we have found Lee County to be the most convinced that it's saved of any place that we have lived since both, both of us grew up in the Jackson area. And so it's hard to share the gospel here. It's hard to share the gospel with people because everyone is convinced they are saved with no conversion, no testimony, no way the Spirit's moving in their life, no evidence of how God has moved in their life. But Lee County is, by and large, On paper saying, I don't believe in anything, but how many times have you found someone willing to admit, I don't believe? It's rare that you meet anyone in Lee County that will just straight up tell you, no, I don't believe anything. But if you let them anonymously answer questions on a U.S. census or at voting time, they will readily check a box and say, I have no religious beliefs. And so we have found that sharing the gospel here is difficult. And that many people, when we share the gospel and we begin to tell them that Christ is the only way and that He has died because God loves them and He's died to save them from their sins, so much of what they hear is harshness. And they hear cold and they hear um, arrogance and pride. And who are we to say that we have the market cornered on religion? And who are we to tell people that we know who can and cannot be saved? And at this point in my life and ministry, I think it's because when we're sharing the gospel, we just don't share the heart of Christ. And they often don't find the people who know the way living like the way. Because when we think about Jesus, Jesus is the way, but the way of Jesus, when we view in Scripture, is gentle. He is a gentle Savior, and here's the thing that I wish more and more of us could lean into, He's a willing Savior. Like we have got to learn in our own relationships with Him to see Christ not just as the thing to believe in, but as the Savior to know, as the God who loves us and is gentle towards us and cares about us, and that none of it is forced. Everything Christ does is willing. And when you start telling Someone about a gentle Savior, who is a willing Savior, that's a person that I know. That's a person that you claim to know, and it might even be a person that they want to know. In Matthew chapter 11, this will hit well physically for you. Jesus said, "'Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And right here in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus literally opens up his heart and says, This is what's going on on the inside. You want to know what's at the heart of Christ? He says, My heart is humble. My heart is gentle. My heart is lowly. That he is a savior who loves, it's at the center of who Jesus is. It's at the center of what Jesus does. Think about how tired you are after two days of serving. And spiritually, what you feel right now physically, spiritually, that is what it is like to try and earn salvation. On a spiritual level, if you're trying to earn your way in, then the exhaustion you feel now is the rest of your life if you're trying to be good enough to earn your way into the kingdom. And Jesus knows that. He knows our tendencies. He knows our sinful nature and our selfish nature and our do-it-ourselves approach to all things, including our spirituality. And that's why he doesn't say, hey, come to me for something exciting. He says, come to me for rest. Come to me for rest at the end of a long day of trying to work your way into the grace of God and find rest from me because I love you. Dane Ortland writes in his book and says, Jesus is not harsh, reactionary, or easily exasperated. Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. That the way that Jesus exposes his heart to us in Matthew chapter 11 helps us to know that he is gentle, he is meek, he is humble, he's not arrogant, he's not prideful, and that he is accessible. There is not a more understanding person in the universe than Jesus. You don't have to unburden yourself. You don't have to collect all your thoughts and have everything in working order to come to Jesus. There's no payment required to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. It is your burden. It is your exhaustion. It is your worn outness that makes you qualified to come to Jesus. And so often when we're sharing the gospel, we find people who are like, oh, well, I'm not good enough. And I've pastored long enough to know that there are people sitting on a Sunday morning in the middle of a worship service who will see somebody. I don't, do y'all raise your hands in worship here? Is that allowed? Okay, so y'all haven't, y'all haven't gotten that yet. And so it's freeing. It's fun. But we call ourselves at times at Harrisburg Charismatics with a seatbelt. And, uh, and so we're a little restrained, but we're also a little not. And so like, When you see someone across, maybe this will happen Sunday, Danny. At least you you should do it. If you do it, they'll do it. And so, like, that weirded Harrisburg out, by the way. Y'all know Harrisburg, right? This is being recorded, right? Okay, I would say this in the pulpit. We were not known for being a hand-raising church when I came as the pastor. And so on the front row in my first Sunday, and I did this in worship, you could hear it behind me. Like, that wasn't in the interview process at all. Nobody asked me, do you raise your hands in worship? I don't know that I would be their pastor if they did, but I do. And so when you look across the room and somebody raises their hands in worship, it is normal for someone on the other side of the room to go, they're better than me. They're better than me. They're more holy than me. They're more spiritual than me. Now, my personal experience is that in every congregation, there is a little old lady who does not raise her hands in worship who is probably the most holy person in the room other than Jesus. That's just reality. But we have this tendency to think, even inside the church, someone else is better than me. Therefore, I don't deserve it. That's just kind of how we're wired. But what Jesus tells us is it's actually the opposite. He didn't come for the people who have it together. There is no one who has it together, but he didn't come for the people who have it together. He came for the people who are sick, who are hurt, and who are burdened, not just with the frustration of a day or a sibling or a parent or a spouse, but that are burdened with the weight and the exhaustion of their sin and attempting to be good enough. And so you don't have to pay him something. You come to him and say, I can't do this anymore. And he says, you find rest with me. See, you have Jesus who is gentle. Jesus stands with open arms. Jesus doesn't walk around pointing his finger at people. He said, I've not come to condemn the world for it's already in its condemnation. I have come to save the world. And he says, listen, all you condemned people can find salvation in me because in me, is a lowly and humble and gentle and loving heart that that's what you find when you come to Jesus he's tender he's ready and we can trust with the same certainty that we believe he is the son of god that he is also the son of god who is gentle and willing to save too many people believe that Jesus is the only way and struggle then to see Jesus the way he actually is. A lot of people see, well, you said Jesus is this only Savior, but we never seem to present him as approachable or as willing to save. And we have to make sure that we are presenting Christ as he really is, and I find we struggle to present Jesus as he is because often we don't relate to him as he is. Matt Powell, the pastor at First Baptist Tupelo, my first year here, we were spending some time together, and I'll never forget him saying these words. He said, most people love to be saved by grace only then to try to live by the law. That we love the fact that it's grace that saves us, but we often then turn right back to the law and think that I've got to be perfect and I've got to be good, and instead we're to pursue holiness and righteousness and Christ-likeness and be repentant and Regular in our repentance. And that comes with a relationship and conversations and understanding that He is approachable. And no one understands you and your situation more than Jesus. You see, if you come burdened, He promises rest for your soul. If you reject that, then you reject the truth. You reject Christ. But if you come to Christ, as Hebrews 10 says, the new and the living way, then you will find rest for your souls. You'll have a lighter load to carry. You have purpose and reason for living. In Hebrews 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, and that is through His flesh. That Jesus says, Come to me, I have taken on everything your sin deserves he's done what your sin deserves and that is death he takes the death you deserve to then give you life that he deserves and when we think about Jesus being a savior my hope is that you go home thinking about Jesus as a willing savior He did not throw his hands up in the air in exasperation and frustration at the need for the cross. Jesus did not come here to do anything against his will or against his heart for us. His work on the cross was willing. He came for all who are weary and worn out from the weight of their sin. Jesus is not forced into saving us. You never belong to him against his will. He's made it clear that all can come and that he is willing and ready to save. Like in Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. And the weary and burdened isn't about the exhaustion that you feel this evening physically. He's speaking of the spiritual burden and the weariness of sin. Just yesterday, uh, Garrett Kell, uh, a, a friend that I've come to know over the years in Southern Baptist life, has Many evenings on social media, late in the evening actually, Garrett will post something like, I think the other night it was, you will never regret saying no to temptation, but you will always regret saying yes. And he posted late at night, for that's when many of the temptations are happening, that's when many of the regrets are occurring in people's life, and so he always posts something like that, like just go to bed. Say no to temptation and go to bed. And I I love the way that he so candidly speaks of it. But the reality is, if you give in to temptation every day and over and over and over again, it is exhausting. It is exhausting to go to bed with the guilt of your sin and wake up the next morning thinking, if I do better today, I won't feel this way. And so many of us, when we sin, We think we can pray our way into feeling better. We think we can read our Bible long enough that I won't feel this way anymore. And the truth is, Jesus says, you have to come to me. You have to hand me that weight and then let me give you a different one, a lighter one, one that I will help you bear, one that I will help you carry out. And so Jesus is willing. If you find yourself feeling crushed and perplexed and despairing or hopeless. Jesus says, that's who should come to me. And then when you come to him, he makes so sure that we understand that we find him gentle. I got three kids. My oldest got her uh, official driver's license today. Uh, thankfully, she's not like me. She's like her mother. She's cautious and responsible and serious at the age of 16, taking this driving thing way more serious than I did. Uh, and But then I've got a 10-year-old and an almost 8-year-old, and, and in our home, if they get in trouble, they don't like telling me. Can you imagine why? Why would you not want to tell your dad you did something wrong? Because he can be harsh. Drop the hammer. And over the last few years, one of the things that God is helping me with is as a dad, when I'm disappointed and I'm frustrated with them and I've taught them better than that is to learn more and more to respond the way that Jesus does when I come to Him and say that I have sinned. Because He's a willing Savior. And when you come to Jesus, He doesn't lose His mind. He doesn't throw His hands up in the air and say, how many times have I told you not to do that? How many times have I told you not to say that? How many times have we told you that's not what Jesus does? That's what often we as parents do, and we've got to work on that. But that's not what Jesus does. And so many people, even in church world, are afraid to come and unload their burden to Jesus. They know He's willing, but they're afraid that they're going to be met with the rant and the exasperation and the frustration. But the truth of what we see in Scripture is that when we come to Jesus, He is not only willing, He is gentle. He's gentle. So when you come to Him with that thing you told Him yesterday, you would never say again, you would never look at again, you would never think about again, you would never go there again, you would never do that again, and you come to Him having 24 hours Been on your knees, telling him, him, I'll never be in this situation again. When you come to him, you find him very, very gentle, willing, arms wide open. He doesn't run from us in our sin. And a lot of us have that mentality. When we sin in our lives, we think, oh my goodness, God is going to want to be as far from me right now as possible. But that's not actually what the Bible tells us about the Lord. That in our sin, He comes to us. And our view is just wrong. That when we've sinned, we just assume He has pushed us away and has said, I can't be with you right now. You need to clean yourself up, and then you can come in and hang with me. But that's not what He says. The book of Romans tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But he comes to us in the midst of our mess and all the things that we're ashamed of. And so Jesus is willing, but Jesus is also gentle. You may think this guy probably doesn't believe in hell. This guy probably doesn't believe in the gospel fully. This sounds way too sensitive, but it's just how Jesus is. And if you don't believe in Jesus, This willing and gentle Savior will keep His word. And if you never trust in Christ as your Savior, the consequence for your sin will be your death, and it will be an eternal death, and it will be hell forever. But to those who come to Him, He says, I am willing. He says, I am gentle. There's a song, Gentle Savior, uh, David Phelps. At this point, he's really not popular anymore. Um, It's okay. Uh, But he says, Why can't I walk away from my regrets? And why is forgiveness so hard to accept? My past surrounds me like a house I can't afford. But you say, come with me, don't live there anymore. Gentle Savior, lead me on, let your spirit light the way. Gentle Savior, lead me on, hold me close and keep me safe. Lead me on, gentle Savior. The phrase that he says there, my past surrounds me like a house I can't afford. Is exactly what happens in our sin you cannot afford what your sin cost you you can't but Christ can and so he says come to me I'm gentle he says come to me if you're weary and you're burdened you will find me kind and compassionate he doesn't motivate us with fear instead he motivates us with gentleness and kindness and with grace Fanny Crosby wrote, she said, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Let me at thy throne of mercy find a sweet relief. Kneeling there in deep contrition, help my unbelief. Trusting only in thy merit would I seek thy face. Heal my wounded, broken spirit. Save me by thy grace. Savior, Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. In the middle of your mission week, it's my hope to bring Jesus to the forefront of your day, Jesus to the forefront of your night. You did good things today. You made a huge difference in people's life today. My experiences in life when I'm doing really good things I often don't feel like I need Jesus. But He's the only one we need, and He's who we're sharing. And if you find yourself feeling like you're not good enough, or you haven't done enough good things to be able to pray to Him or talk to Him, or you've had too many mistakes in the last seven days to be able to be close to the Lord, the Bible tells us that if we will cleanse our hands and purify our hearts, And draw near to the Lord that He draws near to us. Period. He draws near to us. When you draw near to the Lord, He says, I draw near to you. So tell Him you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness. But don't go all week doing stuff in the name of Jesus without spending some time with Jesus. And don't go tell everybody about Jesus without also making sure that you've spent time with the one who is gentle and the one who is willing and the one who is caring, because he cares about you too. You see, church and ministry and missions can sometimes consume our schedules and our lives and our thoughts, and in the midst of that, we can lose focus on Jesus. And I pray that tonight you spend some time with him. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's been months since you've sat down and prayed, months since you've sat down and read your Bible. He's ready and he's willing and he cares and he loves you. Jesus is the way, but the way of Jesus is gentle and willing.